Welcome to Janolaism. I am your host, Jasmine Nola, and this is my podcast where I say what I want and I keep it real. I discuss celeb gossip, reality TV, and everything I'm going through weekly. While I talk, I'm usually sipping my drink of choice. Now, that would have been my intro probably three years ago, but things have changed, and we are adding a new segment called Realish. This is going to be where I'm either talking about serious topics going on in the world or interviewing someone about a certain topic, whether it be race in America, becoming a mother, a business owner, so on, so on. You get it. I'm going to have a different guest every week. They're usually my friends or my family and sometimes literally a total stranger. So sit back and enjoy. This is my advice, my opinion, and as you all know, you can either take it or leave it. And welcome back to a new episode of Jay Nola Ism. And before we begin, I just want to say happy Wednesday. Jay Nola Ism is now going to drop on Wednesdays, no longer on a Monday. And do you know who we can thank for that? Our guest today, Brandon Smithwork, because he told me why I should be dropping on Wednesday. I'm not going to go into those details, but again, huge shout out to Brandon. And that is our guest today. Um, I reached out to Brandon because I've wanted to have this discussion about corporate America. I've kind of, you know, dove into it a few times, kind of talking about it here and there, but I wanted to bring someone on who is in corporate America, but also in fashion and is, of course, a man of color. Brandon is a black man, so he has that voice that needs to be heard and he can talk about it from a totally different aspect than a white guy can. It's just that's just a fact. So I reached out to Brandon on LinkedIn. Well, I saw him on LinkedIn and then I emailed him and asked him if he would be open to doing this. Uh, Brandon and I worked together and we'll go back. You'll hear a little bit about it when you listen to the episode um, maybe five years ago. So, and we literally probably haven't connected since the last time that we spoke, but he was super great and super open about coming on being that I'm kind of a total stranger. So I appreciate him so much. You know, we talk about things that need to change in corporate America, things that are, have been going on, um, what we can do moving forward to make it better for people of color and make it more diverse. And also, of course, we talk about the fashion industry and we all know that needs to be more diverse. It's just not enough. So please enjoy this episode of Brandon literally dropping so many truth bombs and so many gems. I don't think any of you will be disappointed. So enjoy. Okay, everybody, I am here with Brandon Smithwork. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you. For giving me some of your time on a Saturday. I know you are busy. Okay, um, so usually just to start out, um, I met Brandon, well, E-Met, because we still have never even met in person. Right. So crazy. Um, I met E-Met you maybe like five? I want to say like five years ago. Five been, years ago, right? Yeah. It's so long. It's cra- It's like a different It's been world. a long time. It's been such a long time because you had... I, I, feel like when I reached out to you, you were doing your, you were freelancing basically. Yeah. And you had your raised by style. Yeah. 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 Um, so that was back in the good old days when I worked in PR and marketing. 
um, and I was just starting out and I came across, I don't even know how I came across your blog. I don't know if it was on Instagram or whatever, but your content was super cool. And I was just starting out. So like, I was like, oh, I was like, I'm just starting out. I want to like give him some clients, build his blog up. Awesome. So I'm going to, so I reached out to you. You were amazing. I think we worked with like two of my clients. Two, I remember yep. the, the sneakers mm-hmm. with Fabrice and then Fabrice it was, it was a um, pillow brand or something of that. Mm-hmm. It was some home. Yeah. It was a home brand, but you were super amazing, super cool to work with. And I feel like I haven't talked to you since then. And I've been looking for people, like I told you, to like bring on here to have these conversations. And I was on LinkedIn and you had popped up and I was like, oh, I need, I was like, he definitely won't remember me, but I'm just going to like send him a quick email. <laughs> Hopefully he says yes. And so thank you for saying yes. No problem. Um, okay. So if you want to just give everyone, I guess you've been in the fashion industry since 2015 so if you just want to give everybody yeah. a little background info absolutely so i am a social media and content specialist um based right here in new york but you know really my craft really started when i was in menswear um i used to be a an intern for atrium which kind of got closed down but it was under the kith brand um, so that's when I was like buying and, you know, going to these showrooms, seeing men's designers. I was like, oh, I love the fashion industry. This is where I need to be. And slowly but surely I entered this world of footwear. That's where I got, you know, my big kind of, I guess you could say break. So I was a social media manager for a company called Greats. Amazing uh, sneakers. <laughs> really cool sneakers. They're like Italian made sneakers. Uh, they're based right here in Brooklyn. Uh, but there, you know, I was there for like four years and really just got into social media management, content creation, uh, styling, curating, casting. Like it was just an incredible experience where I could just be creative in every aspect. Yeah. Um, now I'm at Ralph Lauren, which is a, a small brand, just a small, no, no big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Small company. Uh, but that is just another, just ginormous accomplishment because now I'm seeing things on a larger scale from a global brand's perspective and a brand that's been around for about 50 years. So it's insane. Well, first I just want to say congratulations. Thank you. From the last time that I've spoken to you and I was, you probably saw me, I looked at your LinkedIn earlier just to know like where you were. (laughs) And I was like, Oh my God, he's been killing it. You've just been rising and rising. So you should be really, really proud. Thank you so much. Cause I know that's hard, hard, hard work. Yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So um, you went to LIM. Mm -hmm. So how did you always know you were going to be in the fashion world? Have you always been into fashion? What was like, how did you know? this? Yeah, I was always into fashion, but also when you're coming up without really having a full knowledge of what the industry is, whenever you think of fashion, you're thinking design. Right. And I was like, all right, I can't draw. Do I need to do anything? I didn't know there was a business side of fashion, completely oblivious to it. Um, My dad, just growing up, like he was into clothing, like he's actually the stylish one in our family. Um, So I always had an interest in fashion, went to LIM because a high school teacher of mine said, you know, you're in business courses, but there's also, you know, a side of fashion that's business oriented. So Literally, I applied to LIM. That was like one of the only schools I applied to. If it wasn't LIM, I was going to do the Army Reserve and like figure it out. Like I really <laughs> have, and yeah, I know it's crazy. 
uh, I really didn't have that much of like any directives. Like, all right, it's either going towards this route or I got to figure something else out. So luckily, got accepted to LIM. Uh, and it's a very different school where everything is really fashion oriented. So instead of science, it's textile science. Mm. So I'm learning how you get lycra and cotton and how you can achieve this garment of tweed. And like, it was just really focused purely on fashion. Um, and before you can even graduate from the school, you need two internships. So for me, it was perfect because I was always in the mindset of, I don't want to go through college and then be like, all right, time to enter the work field. Cause you and thousands of others are going to be looking for jobs and you can't find one. Nope. So I wanted to secure a job before I graduated. I wanted to intern and kind of build up my portfolio in a way. And I guess that's how we kind of met because at that time I was really just freelancing as a college student Uh, because fashion is so big. I was like, how can I make a name for myself? How can I be a sponge and just absorb all this knowledge? How can I really just make my mark when I'm just like this student? So I started interning uh, freelancing and from there just grew and grew. That's amazing. Um, yeah, no, the finding a job out of college is just not, it's a, it's like a terrible system. It's the worst. And for me, I remember when we met, I was working in PR and I was there every day after, um, college and, I started, I was going to go to another internship, but it was a smaller mm-hmm. company and I saw what I saw wasn't real, but I saw yeah. myself growing there and I was like, okay, I'm going to stay here. So the next, Potential. Semester, yeah. I, the next semester I asked them, I was like, Hey, like, would it be okay if I stayed? Like I'm really, so then they started giving me more things to do. And that's how I got to like basically handle brands. Like I was like mm-hmm. an assistant, basically not even an intern anymore. And then it came to graduation and I was like sitting and I, decided to sit the owner of the company down. I was like, listen, like I'm graduating in April, what's going to happen? And he was like, so he was like, meanwhile, I've been there three years. And he was like, well, I think we should just keep you, you know, in the intern role until I think you're ready. And I was like, three years. I've been here for yeah three years. Literally when I stayed the following year, going to my senior year, you told me there was a job for me come May. Mm-hmm. Intern means no pay also. exactly. So I was just so, I, so even in that meeting, I guess he could tell I was really shocked. And I was like, I was like, okay. I was like, well, then I think, um, I was like, once I graduate, I'm going to leave. And he was like, oh, okay. I was like, yeah, no. And they just expect you to just like stay like, oh, but why? Yeah. That makes I no sense. It's like, wow. Okay. And then that's when, I mean, again, I was young, so I was naive. So yeah, you tell me I have a job after college. I'm believing you so then thank god i had this conversation with him i think i had around like february so then i just started applying jobs and i was like i'm gonna apply apply," because i'm not graduating without a job so i was looking for a job from february to may yeah didn't find a thing and that was like my biggest fear like and then i was like should i tell them i want to stay like what and like go back it's so tough because for me even thinking about graduating and then going for jobs you then realize, all right, how much money do I need? But then you have no experience to back it up. So yeah. how are you going to tell a company, pay me tens of thousands and teach me everything? It doesn't work. It doesn't work. It's just, 
that system is, and even, and that was the thing I was like, and then I was kind of kicking myself because I was like, maybe I should have done more internships because now mm-hmm. I've only, I only had two where like I'd had another one before this and I've stayed at this one for three years thinking that was my benefit, but it's kind of hindered me in some type of way because I, I'm not showing any variety. Yeah. I've just been here. So it was like, kind of like, it was good because I was kind of like, not lying, but in my interviews I was using this is like, I was basically like a PR assistant. Like I wasn't an intern. So I was getting to use that as like, I've had mm-hmm. a job, but then they're like, but you were in school. And I was like, yeah, exactly. I was in school and I was still doing- But taking all the- on all the responsibilities. It's just- Listen, yeah. I've done unpaid <laughs> internships. And like you said, being naive, like I just want to be in the room. I just want to yeah. be- I just want to have the opportunity, right? You're just so hungry at that age. Exactly. Um, but if I was to drop a gem right now, like, I want people in college to know, like, listen, don't, don't fall for that. Do not. Please don't. I, I'm, we're, we are begging you to yeah, not Yeah, do not fall for that. It's like your parents when you're like, I don't want you to be me. I want you to be good. <laughs> <laughs> like, don't do that. All right. So you have, I'm just going to list you down. Yeah. Amazing. You've worked at Club Monaco, mm-hmm. Nike, Greats. You were mm-hmm. freelancing and Atrium, as you said before. So what has, how has it been being in these rooms? And also while you were in these rooms, was there, if you had a mentor of any kind and were they of color? Mm. You know, I think people, sometimes people are your mentors and they don't even know it. Mm-hmm. Um, there is someone who is an SVP at Ralph right now, black guy. Um, and he's my mentor. He doesn't even know it. Like I, I look at him, I look the way he moves, uh, the way he leads a team. And I'm just like, all right, I'm taking notes silently. You know, um, I had mentors, but never within this fashion industry. Um, I have, you know, personal mentors who work for JP Morgan. Uh, so, you know, if there is any business advice I need or talking to them about life and career, I definitely go to them. But in terms of fashion, it's difficult because I feel like there's no one I can look to who's on the same path as I am, who is of the same skin color I am. Yeah. There's such a a gap. Yeah. Which is kind of like now you have to be that. And you know what? That's exactly it. I, that's I right. yeah, absolutely. You know, that's, it's, um, it's a responsibility, but you also know, like, listen, I've been fortunate and blessed enough to do X, Y, and Z. So if people also want to come to me, ask, listen, and like you saw me on LinkedIn, LinkedIn is a great tool. It people really reach is. out all the time. Um, especially all these college students be like, Hey, I want to get into social media because everyone uses social media. Um, and they're asking me questions and, I'm like, listen, I'll try and give you all the tips I can, like do this, do this, do this. And as much as I can, I just try to give knowledge. Uh, but like you said, it's now on you to also be that mentor for someone else. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's a lot to carry on your back, but also kind of like a tap on the shoulder to know that like, maybe I didn't have this, mm-hmm. but I can definitely be this for someone else. Absolutely. Which is amazing. Okay. So to get into our fun question portion. Yeah. <laughs> So now I named all those. So basically you've been in corporate America since 2015 Mm -hmm. with everything going on. I mean, we're seeing brands, you know, they're doing their posting, which is great. (laughs) (laughs) 
exactly. That's where I'm going with this. So we've been seeing that, which I get it from a posting aspect. You do what you have to do. Mm-hmm. But we all, I think we all know behind the posting in those offices, what do you think the changes that need to be made? Because I'm, the posting is great. Thank you for that. But who is the person posting that? What Absolutely. do they look like? You know what, that, that's the perfect question. Because with this current climate, we see so many brands kind of being like, oh, wow, things are tough right now, right? And if you care about your consumers, you also want to talk to them. I think you have a lot of brands who are just realizing that, all right, X, Y, and Z did it, let's do it too. Um, I think there are occurrences where brands are saying, oh, wow, things are bad right now. We do have responsibility. And, you know, Glossier put out a grant. Uh, tar- I think it's Sephora. They said 15% of our shelf space would be Black-owned businesses. Um, you know, you have people donating to Black Lives Matter, United Negro College Fund. Uh, HBCU. So there is some benefit of brands waking up. At the same time, you ask yourself, did you just realize that we were here? At the same time, you know, you, you ask yourself, have you looked around the office and not noticed? Like, I think in corporate America, oftentimes being white is seen as the default. Yeah. Um, even when I was, you know, styling and casting models, at a certain point, I was like, we need people of color because this cannot be the default for everything. That's all it's been seen as. Yeah. Um, so even within these rooms and you know what, there's been times where you're the only black person. Most times you're the well, only I, black well, person. I, always. Yeah. Always. Yeah. I would say for all of my career, I think there were about nine months where there were two black people and literally um, on my team, at least. Um, but it's also on you to advocate for your people mm-hmm. because I made sure that whenever, you know, at grades, they were like, we need a freelance photographer, freelance stylist, freelance, whatever. I would, I'll put somebody on, I'll open the door, you know, same thing where you was in your space and doing PR and like, all right, I have this opportunity now to help other creatives and help yeah. let me, let me just, you know, let me reach out. Uh, and that is our responsibility. And it's a great kind of honor to have. Yeah. I guess to piggyback off that, what do you mm-hmm. think happens when there isn't even one of us in the room? Like I always think about my brain always goes back to that Kendall Jenner um Pepsi commercial. Pepsi. Always. And I always tell my cousin always asks me, but I'm always like, there were two things that happened. I was like, just because I know me. I was like, so yeah. there was either no one of color in that room, which I'm I'm gonna go with that one. Yeah, I was like, or there was only one person of color in that room. I was like, and I'm going to assume that person of color thinks like me and was in that meeting, just listening to them and was like, oh, y'all think this is a good idea. And I'm just, there's no way y'all are going to listen to me. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to let y'all do this and see what happens. So I guess it's like, yeah, if you have that one person or two people, it's great, but it's like, what needs to happen with these companies that do not have any, because there are many. Many that, that don't have, have failed. Let's be honest, huge. failed. Yeah. Um, I think Refinery29, we've been seeing the hashtag go viral, Black is Refinery29. Uh, I follow the Unbothered page. Love it. Great content. But people are like, don't, don't get confused. Like, it's mm-hmm. being behind the scenes. Here's how it really is. Horror, um, it's literally horror stories. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And listen, I've had my hair touched in corporate, mm -hmm. but the thing is, even being in those rooms, either A, you curate your reactions, like you kind of, all right, how do I go about this? Because yeah. at the end of the day, you still want your job. At the end of the day, you still want to work with, you still have to work with those people. Mm -hmm. So how can I articulate this in a way that's not attacking them for their negligence or ignorance, but educate. And it's also, do I always got to teach everyone everything? Like, is, is that kind of- I'm not a teacher. Like, exactly. <laughs> is that scenario. For companies that don't have any black people in the room, it's also, and I'm just like what I've heard, it's also kind of interesting where they're like, we don't know what to do. What do we say, you know? So like, it's, all right. So clearly there's a gap right there for more diversity within your company. Exactly. It's just, to me, I saw this, I don't even know if it was a meme or it was an article and in it, someone said like, you know, do you guys ever like look around your rooms? And even if it's a small company, like, mm -hmm. oh, we're a bunch of white girls in flat iron. Like we, mm. especially in New York, like it's like, yeah. if you walk into your office and literally don't have any diversity, any person of color, gender, don't even like the gender is also a whole other, it's like, yep. you know, where you got, how, how? Because when you step out on the streets of New York, it's a Everywhere. Pot. Yeah. So it's not like these people aren't here. Just for some reason. And you know what? That is, that's purely biased because I think sometimes companies do not look at their own biases, mm -hmm. either when they hire, either when they interview, just off the bat, right? Unplicit bias plays a huge role. Another thing that bothers me and what I see is that corporate level, very few black people. Mm -hmm. when you go to the retail level oh we're everywhere oh starbucks that really bothered I, me i always say i i don't think i've ever been in a starbucks in new york and not seen all black people never but then they can't wear a pen for black lives matter they can't wear anything that says that on there yet every person that mm -hmm. is walked when i walk into a starbucks especially in new york is especially a person of color yep manage from managers to who's stocking who's making the drinks literally a person of color and you're gonna tell me i can't and that's just a huge inequality of corporate america um and i think there's a challenge right now pull up or shut up where people are like saying posting, yeah tell us the the breakdown of people of color in your company mm -hmm. tell us the breakdown of people on the board senior leaders mm -hmm. who are black mm -hmm. let's actually look at this and I think that shows huge inequality when you have these huge companies out of their profits from black culture, huge companies that um, use black artists, black creatives, but there's no black people in the room. Exactly. Um, you want to use Nikki and you want to use Michael B. Jordan to sell coach and yep. this and that, but yet who's in the room? Yep. And are they listened to? Because for Pepsi, right? There could have been black people there at the company, maybe on the marketing team. But when Talking. the final when the final video was made, mm -hmm. do they also see it and be like, "Oh, wait, this don't look right." Like, does it go through a vetting process and people have people look at it and be like, "All right, let's do like a, just a roundtable." Like, how does this look? Companies don't do that. No, and it's just so crazy that they don't, especially a business such a high business as Pepsi. Mm -hmm. It would be like, "How are you not doing this?" Yeah, you're not a small business. No, their their team failed huge on that one, and it's not just that. There's oh, been many occurrences mm -hmm. after. Oh yeah, 
that's and it's like you have to laugh because it's like what was your brain like no one's brain was like okay no let's not make this mistake again or when it's like you see other brands do it after one brand gets totally called out for it and it's like so you still you saw all of that that happened and you still did most likely the same exact thing listen every year we have just a list of (laughs) of like wait did gucci make a mask like it's Uh it's like every year there's like a scenario where it's just like wait did they they just did they just you just think like, all right, like how, how can we actually fix this? Is it just more people in the room? Is it just them thinking like, all right, let's do a committee. Like, I can't even tell you how many times, like, I don't know. Cause for us, it's just like, just don't do that. Just, just, it's so easy. But here's another thing companies don't think about, right? Being black, we have knowledge that can only be experienced. Yeah. We have knowledge that just comes inherently to us. Whereas if you're a white, you need to look up that knowledge. You need to look it up, right? Um, recently, you know, everyone's talking about George Floyd. Companies have been called out for being like, racism is bad. Yeah, we know that. Don't just say racism is bad. How are you going to fix it, right? But then you have people who are white who, who are looking at these articles to figure out what they should say and be like, so look at the New York Times and they're saying that uh, this is not good to say. Black people would be like, yeah, I could have told y'all that. Like, we know I this. I need you to read the... Yeah. It's just this, I mean, like, listen, there are so many good things that I think have have been happening mm-hmm. since for some reason, and I've said this on the last few podcasts I've had, but like George Floyd was just the change. Yes, this has been happening. This is yeah. not like, this is the only one. Like everyone was like, well, you're, you're marching for this one man. No, 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 no. we're not. No, we're not. But I we think- We still yet to receive justice for the countless others. Others. And it's like, that's what, like the, oh, I don't want to, his last name, but the Elijah, the young Elijah. man, Elijah, who was, that was what, a year ago? That happened last August. We just got the body cam footage and we're just, what cop sedates somebody, would drop, like, beat to death for being, sus- for being perceived as suspicious. Exactly. So it's just like, my thing is, I am so glad that, this conversation is, let's say, finally happening because it definitely needed to be. And like, you know, with things like, now you have things like Aunt Jemima and Uncle Ben. And now this conversation is just going, Mm -hmm. which where it's it's always needed to go. But But then on the back end of that, you see people saying like, oh, but I love Aunt Jemima. And it's like, I bet you do, Karen. I bet you do. <laughs> but it doesn't yeah. matter that it's been wrong from the beginning. Yes, have I bought yeah. it? I'm sure I have it upstairs right now because it is good. Sure. It doesn't make it right. Yeah. That's the, I think that's the point. It was crazy that you just have so many companies that whether they have addressed it or not, have brands, products, names that are rooted within racism, white supremacy, slavery. And they try to just cover it under the rug, like nothing happened. But yeah, let's bring this up. Uh, when people are talking about Aunt Jemima, like, yes, let's do that. Let's change that. Let's, let's address that issue. But at the same time, I don't want brands to get confused. Like, we just want them to fix this, fix it. No, no, no. We want justice. Let's, well, that's the other thing. Yeah, like, let's not get, we still want justice for George Floyd and Breonna the countless Taylor. others. Yep. Breonna Taylor, who's whose cops have yet to been arrested. One was fired. No one's been arrested. So just 
Listen, I'll tell you. I'm sorry. No, I know. It's so, <laughs> it's just crazy to me that, again, I'm glad we're having this conversation and I'm glad mm-hmm. things are changing, but I'm like also, and my mom was on the phone with one of her friends and she said it and she was like, she was like, I want people to stop deflecting. Yes. Like, wow. That's it right there. Like, yes, that is great. Take Aunt Jemima off, but let's not deflect because at this yeah. point, Aunt Jemima, that should have been gone a while ago, whatever, yeah. but let's come back over here. And, and let's be clear. Black people weren't the ones, the company said, all right, the climate's wrong. They're trying to protect themselves. Exactly. What's well, right? like with The Bachelor. Now the a black person. And it's just like, wait, has it been on for, I think it said 20 years? It's like, come on, y'all. Yeah. This is its 25th. It's, y'all, 25 years to say, we got black people. Like, I don't get that. Well, what's crazy to me is, and obviously not to go off topic, but yeah. I... I don't regularly watch it, but there's a few seasons that I've watched here and there. And there was one season I didn't watch it, but I, you know, you'll see it. it's always, they always talk about it on social media and US, Us Weekly and all that stuff. And I saw that, I guess, the last Bachelor, there was literally a petition for one of the contestants that was Black. People were actually petitioning for him to come on. Like begging. His name was Mike Johnson. Begging. They were like, he was amazing. Mm-hmm. It would be the first, it would be, Time for y'all to break, you know, that ground and have a black male lead. Who did they come out with? Someone, a white man named Peter. So it was like, you guys literally had the chance to do this last year. Yeah. You could have been ahead. Well, you should have been ahead of the curve years ago. It's hard to even applaud that because you're just like, all right. Well, that's my thing. That's why when I saw it, I know people that don't watch it were like, oh, that's amazing. I'm going to watch it. I was like, yeah, I don't. I was like, yeah, but they actually have had many chances that people have liked contestants that have been Black to bring them back, and they Mm -hmm. have literally just shut them down and brought back the usual white guy from Oklahoma. Yeah. So it's just like, no, you don't get a pat on the back. I'm happy for this man. I'm not, it's nothing to do with him. Good for him. Absolutely, yeah. I get why he took it. Why wouldn't he? But ABC, you do not get a pat on the back for me for doing something that should have been done 20 years ago. And listen, I think there's also um, black people and within corporate need to have the confidence to speak up without fear of losing their jobs. Which is another whole other thing. Yeah. Which is scary because you don't want to speak up because if you are the only one in the room, Mm -hmm. you know, you don't. You're not in the room no more. (laughs) You're not in the room. Yeah. Yeah. And then if you're not, if you, let's say it's two of you. You want to make sure you two on the swing page, like if I'm <laughs> my back, because absolutely, because I'm gonna give you an eye, like okay, I'm about to say something, but like, do you got me? Don't leave me hanging. But then it's like I can't be mad at you for leaving me hanging because you want to keep your job. Like, and I, you know what? That's so interesting because even at Ralph, there's like conversations, and you can tell that dynamic. Um, but it's so weird because it's like black people are not a monolith, right? No other culture has to be like you got my back. We need to be on the same page. They're when always people, on the same page. Yeah. Like whenever we need something done, it's always like, all right, we all need to be on the same page. Like, you know, like there's there's power within multiple voices. Mm-hmm. So if we're saying opposing things and there's only two of us and they already don't understand black issues, they're gonna be like, All right, so let's not do anything. We don't know what to do. They don't wanna make the wrong move. So yeah. it's just so difficult when you're like, All right, we all need to be on the same page, giving the same feedback, giving the same directive. That way it's clear to them what is the problem here. Yeah. And if not, then they're like, okay, let's just, let's just not, you know, then it's just all not the doing, Yeah. It's uh, yeah. Then it's like, you know what? Let's, let's table this. Mm-hmm. We'll come back. To- we'll circle back. We'll circle back to this later. <laughs> yes. Okay. So 
we've kind of gotten into it, but for you personally, what does it feel yeah. like being a black man in fashion or, and even in the social media world? Mm. Um, I'll start by with fashion. Um, it's very interesting because I truthfully feel like, and I think I had this epiphany last year or two years ago, but like, I love an industry that does not love me back. Mm. Um, when I was styling, I would go to Bloomingdale's and Nordstrom's because they have services and I'd be walking around the floor. And of course I have a whole bunch of clothes in my hand. And when I tell you constantly, like black people, we know the difference between a genuine, how are you doing? Do you need help? And saying that's disingenuous. Yeah. And even when you're shopping within the store and like someone just touching something near you, that way they can slowly inch up. Like you're not folding that sweater. You're just trying to keep an eye on me. Uh, when you ask me, that sweater was folded perfectly. It was perfect. It didn't need to be touched. <laughs> um, when you're asking me like, do I need help with anything? I'm be like, no, I'm okay. When I'm holding something in my hand, when we saw you a fitting room, like, all right, you just one want, shirt. You just want to get something, something out of my hand to make sure I don't see it. Like that's what pisses me off so much. Yeah, because it's constant. It will never stop happening. Nope. I remember when I was at LAM, um, I was writing a paper about racism actually. Um, and before I even went to that class, I went to Dwayne Reed because uh, they're just everywhere in Manhattan. Uh, <laughs> and I remember walking the floor of Dwayne Reed. I hear over the over like the intercom security at aisle five. It's only me in that aisle. Um, mm. And I remember walking into class and saying that, and just the disbelief. And I actually took that moment to be like, no, this is a real thing. My dad actually never allowed me to buy sweatpants as a kid because he didn't want me walking the streets with sweatpants because there was a connotation there. Mm -hmm. Like he told me never have, like there was things, do-rag only in the house. Don't you ever wear that do-rag at the house. There's certain things where when I step out the house, he said, put real clothes on. Yeah. Don't go out there just looking like you're about to play. He understands that that doesn't mean that I'm going to be safer, but there are perceptions against you the minute you walk out of that door. And that constant, you know, fear of just being in fashion and being constantly profiled, just like, yo, I'm tired of it. Honestly, yeah. no. I, I don't even style clothes anymore that much because I'm on kind of, I Ralph, I'm doing social purely and there's such a huge team, like they don't need me to style, of course. <laughs> um, but it's just the same, like when I go into stores, like sometimes I hate doing it because I'm a tall black man. I'm going to be perceived as a threat. Exactly. No, yeah, I always, um, it's funny because my fiance, he is a personal trainer. Mm. So he's in sweats. Yep. All the time. His car has tents. It's just a whole, and I'm always like, if we're not, if he's not where I'm like, he put, he's like, Jasmine, that's not myself. I'm like, just please, when you are in this, you don't get it that like, yeah. he's like, I'm just not into fashion like that. And I was like, no, but it's not even a fashion thing. It's just yeah. like how they perceive you. When you roll down that tented window and you are in basketball shorts and a tank, they don't know that you own your own personal training business. Yeah. They think you've just dropped off a bag to somebody's house. Because that's just the mindset. Yep. Which sucks. And for you, it's just this, this method of protection, right? Like, I'm yeah. just trying to, for my own peace of mind, do this for me, right? Yeah. And the same way for parents. Like, for our own peace of mind, right? We know that you're not doing anything, but just so we can get you home safely just do this yeah and it's just, but it's so crazy that you even have 
to do, you know, like yeah. to do that because a white guy that, yep. would literally be a drug dealer, mm-hmm. dressed crazy, be fine. Be fine. Be fine. And it's just, it, and the, everyone's like, you're always laughing. I was like, because it's literally laughable because mm-hmm. it's just insane. It doesn't, it, there's no, it doesn't make sense. And what's weird is that sometimes we've, because we've been taught so young about these little things, mm-hmm. that's just second nature now. So we think about things they never have to think about. Yeah. And even explain that we think about these little things are like, I've never thought about that. Yeah, you, you don't have to. You don't have to. That's the, even like when things have been said to me at work, like uh-huh. my hair is naturally curly like it is right now. But when I went on my job interview, it was straight. Yep. Because what have we been told? Yep. This is too wild. This is too crazy. Uncapped. So, unca- yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I went on my interview. Obviously, I got the job. And then summertime, when it gets too hot, it's just not worth it for me to straighten mm-hmm. my hair. So I wear it like this. And my CEO walked into the building. And I was the receptionist at the time. And he literally jumped. Literally jumped. Then, maybe a year or two later, I had been promoted. And I've been there. I've worn my hair curly multiple times now i've been mm-hmm. here for a few years you know the drill once it hits june to september this year <laughs> it's curly like come on we've we've done this yeah no shock anymore came down i'm like working minding my business i'm in the middle and comes in and it's like did you have a fright last night and i was like meanwhile i'm working so like i'm, said, I'm did you have a fight a fright like a fright. Like, a fright like did i so and I think my hair was actually literally like this, like half up, half down, but it was humid so it was, in New York. So it was just 10 times bigger. Yeah. And I'm, I was like, huh? And he's like, did you have a fright last night? And I like looked at my boss and I was like, a fright? I was like, no, because again, like I, I don't even understand what conversation's happening because I'm yeah. trying to work. I'm trying to make you money, but okay. And I was like, oh, I was like my hair. I was like, this is just my natural hair. Again, like I'm just confused. And he goes, mm-hmm. oh, well, it's big. okay like yeah. my poor boss who is a white woman she was like i think she looks beautiful because like, of what this poor woman is just like because she, she can see that i'm shocked she's like i think she looks beautiful and he just literally walked out when he walked out she's like jasmine i am so sorry i was like it wasn't you like you didn't do anything yeah. it's not your fault but it was just like dude really really and then my mind always goes to because i am light-skinned so i'm always like what would this come? What would you have said to someone who was two, three shades darker than me? Yeah. And I and it's never to be like a woe is me, like my privilege as a light skinned woman. But I do always think like before I'm gonna sit here and soak, which it's still annoying and it's degrading to me. Mm-hmm. But then I always have to remember I can't even imagine what you would have said to a woman. Because let's not pretend I didn't get. I'm the only black one here, and I'm most likely sure I only got this job because I passed the paper round, the back test. Mm-hmm. Let's be real. Like, Listen, when I tell you that I think I've gotten, I'm still a dark-skinned, you know, black man, but I've gotten a lot of jobs because of my last name and my first name. It's, it's very white-sounding. Yeah, I'm Jasmine Austin. It's very, yeah. Yeah, like it's, you know. On paper, oh, we can bring her in. Absolutely. We can bring her in. We'll bring him in. Mm-hmm. I wonder who his who his father is. Do we yeah. know? Honey, do you know a Smithwork? Like you know yeah. that conversation, and it's just like so crazy because I can bet if I went into my interview with the hair, my curly hair, wouldn't have gotten the job. 
most likely, which is so crazy yeah. to me that like, and it's crazy that we know it and that we've had to basically comply to it. No, but listen, if it wasn't for quarantine, I wouldn't have my hair long right now. This is quarantine oh, yeah. because yeah. when we get the job, all right, I need a Caesar, I need a fade, I need a low, you know, it's very neat and kept because and that's, kept. that's what we just want to get the job, right? We just want to secure the bag. That's what we're trying to do. Exactly. It's, uh, it's just, yeah. could go on forever. So like you said, being a black man in fashion, when we basically kind of on mainstream, we mainstream, we only have really Kanye and Virgil. Mm. What do you think needs to happen? I guess, because there's other black men and women Absolutely. in fashion. <laughs> um, and we are aware of them. Yes. But what needs to be done to bring those people to light? Is it something that Virgil and Kanye need to do? Is it something that in the fashion industry, there just needs to be a change in general, which there needs to be, but mm -hmm. how do we get there where there, it's not just Virgil and Kanye? Yeah. Um, and you know what? I honestly feel like Virgil and Kanye aren't even the right people to just to vouch for the cause, if I'm being honest. No, um, I, listen, better you can say <laughs> it than me, but uh, I agree with you 100%. <laughs> they're not the right ones to be vouching for the cause because within Virgil, right, he won, his vision wasn't for the community. He's from Chicago, but it was, yeah. let me do this in Milan. Let me do this. He wanted to make a luxury brand to compete with the others, right? And kudos to him. He's done that. Mm -hmm. uh, his team is not black, but he doesn't, his brand isn't also based on blackness. For yeah. Kanye, um, he's always compared himself to other famous white designers, and he's always wanted to be in the room of other white billionaires, whether it's Steve Jobs, Bill Gates. Like, he's always wanted to be in those rooms. Yeah. He talked about being at Vogue and the Winter, like he, all this. He wants to be in the room with other people, and because he doesn't see blackness within that, he's not going to subscribe to that notion. Yeah. I think there are great black designers. Um, Pierre Moss is one of the hugest ones right now. Like they are growing. Uh, I, Kirby, I used to buy when I was at Atrium. Uh, they've been around for a long time. And to see the evolution of the brand also is incredible. Um, I think that we need to get black, more black designers in the door. Yeah. And whether that's, you know, the culture. Because again, once it's adopted by our culture, is then adopted by mainstream culture. Yeah. Because we are the pulse. Um, I think you have a lot of talent, like Tracy Ellis Ross, mm -hmm. saying, I'm only going to wear black designers. Yeah. Right? Um, you have, I'm trying to think of other names, but you have people who are just vouching for us and advocating for us. That's going to be the best way possible just to keep going, right? It's going to be on our shoulders to invest within those companies, right? build black businesses up, build black brands up because they need to survive also. And for them to show that, Hey, Nordstrom's buy our products for whether it's high, like high or low, right. We need to then support them. Yeah. Um, I also think it's going to take some more black people in the decision-making rooms so that when there is a black brand, it's not seen as, well, that's a, you know, that's a black, like, is Kanye seen as a black brand? No, it's not. No. Why? Because even though he's a black person, they oh, he's not, you know? Yeah. And it's Kirby um, doing Pierre Moss when it's um, a plethora of other designers 
it's the same as this issue, right? Oh, these are black issues. These are black designers. That's a black movie. That's a, you know? Yeah. That's the notion that needs to change. The mindset needs to change. Yeah. Do you think, I guess, when does, um, stylists are, you know, once we get back to regular mm-hmm. life and red carpets, black stylists and white stylists, they, do you think that they should be now focusing on picking black, black brands, getting designers, putting them on their clients and getting, you know, when you're asked what you're wearing, do you think that's also another part of it? 100%. I think there are a lot of, you know, stylists that do that. I think the stylist for Insecure and that stylist Issa, mm-hmm. they make sure like, all right, how many black brands can we do as much as possible, right? Yeah. That's what we're advocating for. Um, and that's a great, 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 you know, move of solidarity with, to really help this move forward. I think that you know, as things get back to normal, um, you know, red carpet will help, press will help, even recognizing black brands, whether it's yeah. like, hey, why aren't we featured in Fashion Week? After all mm-hmm. these collections, like, what can we do? And I think it's also thinking like, all right, let's not wait on them to notice us. Yeah. Let's, let's create the own space for ourselves. Let's, let's recognize each other. Yeah. And whether you are, I'm trying to think, like Lena Waif is advocates, like she only wants to wear is it black? All right. I want to do, you know, um, I think it's going to, we also need to tell celebrities like Rihanna, Beyonce, like they're doing their part now. Right. I love it. I think we need more of that where people are saying, I'm not going to wait on this. I'm not going to wait on e-news to advocate. I'm not going to wait on whoever to advocate. I'm going to advocate for our people first. Yeah. No, that's perfectly said. Um, so now you've been in this fashion industry since 2015, which is so long, yeah. crazy. <laughs> how, well, I guess this is like a two-party question, but how mm-hmm. have you been able to navigate your way through this, you know, most likely always being the only person of color? Mm-hmm. Do you think that it's gotten easier the longer you've been in in the industry? Um, that's a great question. Do I think it's gotten easier? I don't think, I don't think it's gotten easier per se because whenever there is another black person in the room is like that nod and you just like, like there's just such an organic bond. Whenever yeah. there was, um, I used to have another black teammate, a black uh, employee on my team for Ralph. And like the bond was just there immediately. Yeah. Like it was just it like, to be said. it was just looks. All right. Like we communicate within looks. Yeah. Like we know the dialogue uh, and it's just right there. So it's always refreshing. Um, whenever there's not, you're just like, all right, you know, you, you're very mindful of how you're perceived, how you move. Yeah. I think the more I rise in my career, and this is just a fact someone told me like the, the higher you go, the less you'll see of us. Mm. And that's, you know, that's a real reality that's going to change. Mm -hmm. Um, at the same time, I'm also very aware that as I rise within corporate America, I don't want to be the black person who made it and now forgot other people who was trying to come up. Right. Mm-hmm. We all have an example of, all right, he's in the room, but now they don't really mess with the other black people at the office. Right. Like I want to make sure that whether you're an intern, whether you're a store associate, whether, you know, whatever level you're at, I'm still going to be the same person. Yeah. Um, I made sure that when I was at grades, cause I would talk to store associates. I would put them up on game being like, listen, you want to do fashion merchandising, do this, do this, do this. Um, and whether it's like, listen, I know it's expensive, but that degree 
it doesn't really mean nothing, but it gets you in the door, right? Yeah. You're going to learn everything on the job. You're going to learn things when you experience it, mm-hmm. but that's just something that they need. Then you do, you know, I'm just, I try as much as I can. But that's really good that you do that because you do have people that the higher they get up, it's like, well, you know, I had to figure it out. So they'll <laughs> figure it out. Yep. And it's like, come on. Like, Yes, I understand that we all do have to figure yeah, out. Like, stuff, but if you could help someone so they don't have to struggle or go yeah. through something like you did, what what does it take you to be like, okay, so don't do this. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't take anything from you to, to help someone. So that is amazing that you already know that you're going to keep doing that no matter mm-hmm. how high yeah. you go because you are going to go high. I mean, <laughs> it's only, it's, we're only in 2020 and you're, you're there. So Thank you. Um, so... You came up with something amazing. I will let you explain it because it's yours and you obviously can do a better job than I can, but it's called, it's called the Build the Block Project. Yeah. So let everyone know what this is, how you came up with it, and what it's for. Absolutely. So the Build the Block Project is really my way of giving back. You know, I mentioned that when people reach out on LinkedIn, I try to do my part. People ask me questions, I try to do my part. So now I'm thinking, right, I make, I make money and I, you know, put these strategies and make constants for all these brands, which if I'm being honest, a white brand, right? It's not a black person at the head of the brand, no matter what companies that I've been at, no matter, I freelance for a lot of black owned companies, but for a majority of my portfolio is not black owned companies, right? Yeah. So because I'm thinking I've done social media management, styling, content creation, digital email, like for all these other companies, right? How can I take all this knowledge that I'm already using to make them money to make my community money? So that was the real ethos of the thought process there. Um, and what I really want to do is just offer pro bono uh, consulting for black owned businesses. So whether it's, Hey, I own a bakery. Um, you know, I think for black owners, right. They inventory, uh, sales like they're they're very focused on certain things where building up their digital and social media presence is not front of mind yeah especially we've seen it within corona right if you're not on digital your business might fail and they have yeah and they have a lot have gone under so this is really me thinking like all right i need to make sure that you know we buy real estate and we build the block but also digitally like all right we're going to make sure that your social media is growing because that is a huge force whenever people are finding your business. Yeah. Digital needs to grow at the same time because listen, people are still looking at Google. People are still buying things online. Ecom is up. Like we need to build things. So for me, it was really like, all right, I want to make sure that my people are good. I can give them knowledge and tips and tricks, whether it's like, Hey, you can schedule out your social media posts. If you take a day, you schedule 30 posts. That's one every day. That's a month, right? Here are the tools. All right. These are the free tools. If you got money, here are the paid tools. Mm-hmm. Building out strategies like, all right, listen, you need to be making memes. Like your your account has it should be humorous, it should be educational, your content should be vivid. You should be pulling images here. You should be making content here. You you know, just trying to give them as much knowledge as possible. So for me, the build the block project was my opportunity to do that on a larger scale. Yeah. Um, where brands basically fill out a form. I evaluate their social media and their digital presence. And then I schedule a call with them and we'll just go through it. You know, like, all right, here's what your social media will look like. Here's some tips. Here's what you should be doing. 
Uh, you should be thinking about video drives growth. You should be thinking about Instagram, but also think about YouTube. Uh, so as much as possible, I'm just trying to give them, you know, as much knowledge. That's amazing that one, you're doing it too. You came up with this idea and I'm sure that it's just going to be so helpful to so many brands, so many people, because listen, it, I know maybe like back in the day, our parents did not think like, oh, my child would be like running social, like even when it first came out, I think people didn't even know yeah. how to, you don't even know how to explain it. I didn't know social media was a job. Like, this is crazy that this is even my career. Like, who does that? But yeah. It's crazy how it's grown just in like, I even think like when we were in college, it wasn't what it is now. Mm -hmm. I don't even know no. if there were jobs, really. You know, it was just starting, mm -hmm. starting out. You had a website. But yeah. person who did social probably also did the website or email like they you know they collapsed it so for people just to be doing social media now and be like experts and you have new platforms emerging like tiktok what is tiktok, oh, so, TikTok. <laughs> so now you can really help brands understand something that's ever changing yeah Instagram updates weekly like there's so much to it so much it's i'm just still waiting for my swipe up feature it's like <laughs> Like, give me my swipe up feature. It's so crazy. But um, just to close out, I have mm -hmm. two last questions for you. Okay. What is advice that you would give to not only just someone in college, but maybe even yourself? Like, if you could look back and, you know, give someone in college some advice. I know you do do that, but what would be like mm -hmm. the main thing you would want them to know? The main thing I want them to know is do not think that you need to network or build uh, vertically and you should be doing things horizontally. Meaning that if you are an intern, right? Chances of a manager being your connect is very far, right? Mm -hmm. You can ask some questions, but me thinking that a CEO is going to invest the same amount of time in me, it's not going to happen. He's done it all. Mm -hmm. So build with people who are coming up with you. I promise you there's, you know, while you're coming up, you're like, I don't know if people are going to go. I've had, I've built with people and now they are at Twitter. They are at uh, Nike. They are photographers doing campaigns for Shane Moisture. So it's just like you build a network of your team and you're really like, all right, we all kind of came up together and we're all in different industries. And of course, job positions will always change, but you will then have connections. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. I do actually remember someone when I was in PR, she had told me, she was like, you know, if you can't get the editor, get the editor's assistant. She was like, mm. where they're going to be, like the same way you're growing, you're a PR assistant. When they grow, she was like, they're going to be at a different, there'll be an editor at a, new, at a new publication. And I was like, wow. So that is actually, I remember someone did tell me that. And I was yeah. like, I never thought of that because you're so busy trying to get like the head person because yep. you think that's who you need to get and you don't. I've heard so many filmmakers trying to be like, I want to work with Issa Rae. It's going to be tough. <laughs> it's going to be tough. Try and work with someone. I'm who not else. saying you can't do it. I'm exactly. just saying. <laughs> it's going to be hard, boo-boo. That's it. <laughs> and I guess, where do you see yourself five years from now? Ooh. I'm sure you didn't even see. I mean, it's. Yeah. I mean, so it's crazy because did I see myself working for Ralph Lauren? No. If I'm being honest, they reached out to me, actually. Um, and that's a. So feather in your cap and you should be happy about that. I did not expect where I'm at five years from now. I, I feel like if I'm being honest, I'm going to be a powerhouse. Yes. Uh, just at a company. Just, I think it's still going to be 
fashion or lifestyle. I think I also have my connections within fashion, um, but digitally, socially, uh, really sparking change because I think social media is more than just likes and comments. I think you have the potential to start a movement. You have the potential to have millions of views and I want to create powerful narratives. Wow. You're going to do it. I'm not even, I'm not even concerned. (laughs) Oh, I appreciate you, Jess. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for giving me your time, especially on a Saturday. I know you are so busy. Um, so I really, really appreciate you like coming and speaking to me and dropping some knowledge. No problem. People need it these days. They're, no problem. They're Listen, struggling out there. I'm here. <laughs> Thank you.